What's up, everybody? Josiah Leroy here for Geek Scott Game, the Geekiverse's all video game talk show. I'm with my co-host today, Jeff Pavlak. What is up, Pavlak? Yo, yo. What's we, up, man? We are talking about video games as we survive the icy tundra that is Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Uh, well, apparently most of the United States actually is <laughs> Buffalo. That's very true. Uh, we, we had a blizzard this week, which is pretty awesome. Uh, it's, you know. Oh, yeah. It was real <laughs> awesome. It was just amazing. When I say awesome, so cool. I mean it was uh, wet out conditions. We were talking uh, negative 20 wind chill at times. Yeah, just amazing. Uh, kind of a, a crazy, crazy week. But uh, we are here. We're recording. Uh, this was delayed a bit. We did plan to record yeah. earlier in the week. But nevertheless, we are here. Uh, this episode of Geeks Got Games being simulcast on the Geekiverse's YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash thegeekiverse, as well as podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts, most notably SoundCloud and iTunes. This episode is presented by Buffalo Soup Fest, uh, February 17th at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center. We are a proud sponsor of the actual event, so they are sponsoring our show today. Uh, you can get tickets at buffalosoupfest.com. Again, that's February 17th. But more on that later. We are here to talk video games. First off, what is in your system? What are you playing right now, Jeff? Well, same as last time we were recording, um, Octopath Traveler and Super Smash Brothers. But I do have something new. Something new. It's not in my system per se. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so for the the, <laughs> the listeners, uh, Jeff is playing Wolfenstein: The New Order. Uh, it's a 2014 classic from Machine Games and Bethesda. I love this game. Uh, yeah. I, one of the first games I reviewed for us. Actually. I um I've played most of it, but it's been a while, and I never finished it, and it's been a while since I did play it. But um, with Young Blood coming out later this year, I want to go back and finally finish the original. I still have to play New Colossus too. I never even picked that up. I'm planning to eventually get that on Switch. Um, so I'll play through that, and then hopefully I'll have both done and out of the way in time for Young Blood whenever that comes out. Uh, most likely later this year, but I want to want to catch up on Wolfenstein before I get to that. So going back to New Order, looking forward to um, going through that all again, finally finishing. Like I said, I've played most of it, but I never actually beat it when it first came out. So today we started over after this episode. Right, it's, uh, it's food, it's Wolfenstein, and then baby diapers. <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> possibly. So uh, I I loved Wolfenstein. I really did. I actually liked the New Order better than the old Colossus. Okay. Uh, new Colossus. New Colossus. I meant to say. <laughs> Gosh. These new, these old. We're, we're still, killing me, machine games. We're still on thawing, is what he's trying yeah, to say. It's, uh, it's a wee bit chilly. <laughs> we're still waking up from the deep freeze. <laughs> it's very true. Um, anyway, what I'm playing, so my New Year's resolution is not going very well. Oh, dear. My New Year's <laughs> resolution was to play more small games. Right. right. We talked about this on a previous episode of Geek Scott Game. Well, I, these are all the games I'm Oof. playing right now. I talked about my backlog. However... He's got a whole library coming out here. Whole library. First up, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. I can't get away from it, uh, I tell you. So I have my dad to blame for this one. He <laughs> he wanted to play a few weekends ago, and I'm, I'm an addict again, I tell you. Uh, you know, online only, obviously, but I've been playing my heart out. I am up to level 45. Actually, no, level 46 now. So I'm getting ever closer to prestiging, which would be the first time for me in this game because I really didn't play it all that much. But, man, Black Ops, I think, is the best of the best for Call of Duty. And in terms of sales, it is the best of the best. But uh, those tend to be my favorite games over the years. I'll tell you that when it comes to multiplayer. Uh, what do I got next here? Let's see. Take this, your pick. <laughs> take my pick. The rival shooter for Call of Duty, 
Battlefield Five, uh, nice steelbook case. So that this is was actually really nice looking. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. It came with this and then the original case as well. But anyway, I wasn't gonna pick up Battlefield Five. This game was so under the radar for me. I feel like it came out in the middle of a busy gaming season. It felt a little bit lightly promoted, even though that's probably not true. EA probably spent through the roof for it, um, and it came out to less than the you know I guess desired critical acclaim. Anyway, it did feel like a quiet release for Battlefield, especially after what um, Battlefield One. Yeah. All the hype around that. God, Tons of hype. that was yeah, that was one of the biggest games. Yeah, that so, year. So Battlefield One was World War One. Battlefield Five, World War Two. Same premise in terms of how they do the the single player stories. So these individual missions, as opposed to this long running campaign, like you would see in a, in a prior Call of Duty game or a prior Battlefield game. Anyway, it's okay. It's definitely taken me. A while to get used to the slower pacing and the different weaponry, which is more authentic than what you see in like Black Ops, where it's more futuristic and, for all intents and purposes, made up. Whereas yeah. the Battlefield Five weapons are are true to life. Um, it's fun. It's a gorgeous game. I've played a little bit of it. Uh, long story short, it was twenty bucks at at Best Buy. <laughs> uh, it was like it was twenty five, I think, and then I had the Gamers Pass, which is still good for me up until September. And it's been out for what maybe. Three months? Uh, Four at the most? Like November 20th, oh, I want to say? That's even earlier. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it kind of fell by the wayside. But I couldn't pass it up for that price. So yeah. I've been enjoying it. But uh, another game, still trudging my way through. And when I say trudging, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It sounds bad. Red Dead Redemption 2. Finally been able to complete some of the game here. I'm uh, a full two chapters in. I think there's four or five in the game. But I'm really, uh, it's kind of starting to sink its hooks in me. It's a slower paced game. It, it doesn't quite hold your hand. But it's a game where it's a big open world setting and your choices don't matter so much. And I'm, I'm all about that. I'm, I'm fine with this kind of being, it, it finds the, uh, it toes the line between linear and open world when it comes to choices. So I'm enjoying that. Um, I'll save that one for last. But uh, I've been waiting to get back into this. Marvel Spider-Man for PS4. That game was one of my favorites of last year. One of uh, multiple Game of the Year nominees for for most of our our, uh, medium when it comes to games, media. And I picked up the DLC, the, uh, The City That Never Sleeps. So it was 25 bucks. You get all three DLC packs that came out. I was waiting for it to go on sale, but it's never going to go on sale. I've seen the game itself go on sale once, so I had to get back into it. I completed the first chapter of that with Black Cat, and that is a lot of fun. And probably an unpopular opinion, but in this lore of, of Spider-Man, this version of Spider-Man, I wish that he would have ended up with Felicia. Uh, <laughs> you all understand if you play the game. Last but not least, I can't believe it's actually in my hand. You and a lot of other people. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, I did not have to wait nearly as long. This is my first Kingdom Hearts, so to all the people that waited years upon years to play this game, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy that you get to play this game. It's, it's doing well critically right now, and I know uh, my my social media feeds full Same. of friends that are playing this. I've got so many people posting about it. Uh, playing on, on Xbox One, I beat the first world, which was Hercules. Take a look. Say, man, uh, go for it. It's real. It's real, folks. <laughs> it's real and it's spectacular. So can't uh, I can't believe myself that it's it's actually finally here. It was funny watching it load on my Xbox. Yeah, but it came out. Uh, in North America Tuesday, so I loaded it up and I played. And then Wednesday, don't you know it, Xbox has an issue with their their service that not only affected Xbox Live, 
but if you had connected to Xbox Live at any point in like the last 24 hours, it affected your offline. Oh, no. So it literally could not load the menu screen for I, your home screen. I didn't even know about that. So Wednesday, it, it was a three-hour delay, oh. I believe. But... Like, you, you know, had I been one of the people who had waited yeah. so long to play this game. God, people waiting an entire childhood or, or like an entire decade to play right. that game. It's unbelievable. So it's finally here. And, uh, yeah, I had to wait a little bit longer. So that is what prompted me to finally uh, bite down and go and buy the Spider-Man DLC. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, Kingdom Hearts, for that. Another thing I laughed at was how many people I know who were like conflicted about the fact that Resident Evil 2, the remake, came out on Friday, and then Kingdom Hearts came out on Tuesday. They're like, I, I don't know how I'm going to play these two. Right. Like, like wh- which one do I choose? That's the thing. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? The struggle for some of these people. And I think a, a lot of the, there's a lot of crossover with, with the, sounds funny to say, with those fan bases. Oh, sure, no. Long-time gamers have waited for these quality games. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 2 looks wonderful, by the way. Mm-hmm. This, this remake, that's something i got to get my hands I on. I am, yeah. I haven't jumped into it yet, but I'm really looking forward to the opportunity when I do. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't wait to, to do that. But as you can see, uh, plate is full with all these big games. I'm doing the opposite. I'm George Costanza. I'm doing the opposite of what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing here. Is what it is. So tell us, uh, leave us a comment below. What is in your system, whether that's your Switch, your Xbox One, PC, PS4, Vita, perhaps? Uh, we we want to know. <laughs> Wii U? If Wii we're gonna, U? If we're going to get really crazy here. Let's go really crazy here. Uh, tell us. We'd love to, to chat about that. We love games here at the Geekiverse. Uh, on to our next segment here, Picks of the Month. So it's a new month. Here we are. We're in February. Uh, we're each going to give one game that we think is going to be a surefire. Go spend your money on, if you will. Uh, Pavlak, why don't you go first with, with what you've got? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Jump Force from Bandai Namco. Um, uh, fighting game. It's going to be a tag fighting game, bringing together the some of the most iconic characters from the Shonen Jump mangas. Uh, so you're talking like characters from Dragon Ball, characters from One Piece, Naruto, Roroni Kenshin, Yugi, uh, Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh is in there. Yu Yu Hakusho. All of these beloved manga and anime. Uh, particularly from the 90s and late 80s that uh, a lot of our generation grew up with. So to bring them all together into one big fighting crossover, I can't wait for that. Uh, and I mean, like, I'm all over Super Smash Brothers right now, so um, I guess I'm, in, I'm definitely in a mood for another crossover fighting game. It looks like a lot of fun. I, really yeah. like, I like the animation and the art style that they went for this. It's a beautiful looking game. It's um, a everything animates very, very well. Um, I'm, I'm really pumped for this one. I hope it does well. I love, like I, I said, love. at E3, when Microsoft announced this, that was one of the, the biggest outbursts of emotion in the crowd. You were saying, yeah. Like, pe- people were, last. like, out losing their minds over this game. And it's it's almost here. It's coming out at a good time, too, because the um, the newest Dragon Ball movie just released in theaters uh, just a couple weeks ago and did very, very well in America for such a limited release. I think it's at, like, $15 million box but office in America that's right really now. Good. And it's not seeing, like, a continuous, uh, you know, theatrical release like you normally see for a blockbuster but there's definitely a dragon ball craze right now Speaking so this of is dragon coming out. ball yeah the the R- rpg that was oh just yeah yeah yeah, that too so yeah there's definitely good time for, there's some dragon ball love going around right now it's um yeah it's good to see and it's in north america not, yes not just worldwide overseas we're, we're getting the love for it here yeah. which is home for us which is great uh it's it's overdue uh, so when does that come out? Let's see. Uh, Japan, February 14th, <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> what, what, that's like, <laughs> that's 
that's that's a heck of a way to spend your holiday if you got a special someone uh and then worldwide february 15th not not sure why there's that one day delay but you know what came out uh was a game for me for <laughs> valentine's day a few years ago the twisted metal reboot <laughs> on, uh, i think it was 2012 for ps3 yeah it was an okay it, gun, gameplay was amazing right um i don't know if i ever told this on air but i lent it to uh, my supervisor after i had beaten it huge playstation fan and the dude quit <laughs> I, so i don't have i i don't have that copy of twisted metal oh no I, it's okay like it's he was genuinely a good guy i just like I, we have you know how, yeah how do you approach him again after sam all that sam time? sammy b and i worked with him at gamestop we yeah like how do i i don't he's got my i think he's got my copy of twisted metal still so i i don't have it but uh, yeah, that's my Valentine's. Well then, <laughs> well then, it cuts me deep. Uh, my my pick of the month, probably a surprise to absolutely no one, is Anthem from Bioware and EA. That comes out February twenty second on Xbox One and PlayStation Four. Now, I've been eating up IGN's coverage of it. They featured it as their IGN first for the month. There are some amazing videos. They got to play uh, some different levels, action levels, and then they got to kind of show walking through the different cities. Uh, in the more RPG elements of the game, which remind me a lot of Mass Effect. Yeah. Huge Mass Effect fan. I hope this finds the perfect blend between that and some of the better elements of Destiny. And then a lot of what I've seen lately, and I, I've never gotten my hands on this game, but a lot of people who played it described it as a game like featuring Iron Man in a sci-fi setting. Interesting. Because that's how it feels with your javelin, okay. which is your suit. To basically fly around and shoot Yeah, things. I mean, there's a lot of things that have impressed me about what we've seen just from demos and um, previews so far. But one that really caught my eye was the emphasis on vertical m- movement and vertical gameplay. As opposed to just flying. Yeah, like a, just the, the, el- the elevation, um, moving at a ver- you know in a vertical plane. I'm really impressed, and that was that's something you really could never get out of gaming, probably prior to this generation. No, just the 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 demand, the the technical demand that's there for that. Um, so I, I'm really impressed by the way they're kind of focusing on that to an extent. Obviously, there's so many different facets of that game, but I really like the vertical movement that we've seen in there so far. I hope it does well. Just a whole I hope another, it's good. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm holding my breath a little bit. I'm a huge Bioware fan. I hope it does well. By the way, how have we not gotten a Bioware Star Wars game? Well, like there's some bu- there's some bu- maybe some there? bu- maybe some bureaucratic issues there. Well, we're gonna add that to the news list, <laughs> by the way, because that happened like literally seconds after we right. did our last Geek Scott game. Anyway, we'll we'll keep rolling forward here. Anthem, uh, my pick of the month, Jump Force for Pavlock. What's a game that you can't wait for this month in February? What's the the game that you're going to be getting at midnight, going to be downloading to your console? Let us know. Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you on that. So honoring the past, Pavlak, if I could bug you to, to pull that up. I got it. Uh, we're looking back at games that came out in February uh, 1999 and then 2009. So games that turned 20 uh, and 10 years old, respectively. Just some of the highlights. Um, what... Uh, I'm already laughing at this first one just because of the number of friendships it's probably ruined. (laughs) Um, February 8th was the North American debut of the original Mario Party on N64. The very first game that started that long-running series that just absolutely made friends ruthless and backstabbing toward one another. That'll do it. Yeah. I I, (laughs) 
and any was, fond memories of it? Yeah, um, I, I definitely remember getting that the second it came out, playing with my older brother and my older cousins. And that one was kind of infamous for one particular thing. There were a lot of mini games where you'd have to rotate the analog stick to do something. And just out of instinct, a lot of the way that people would do it would they would use the palm of their hand to rapidly rotate the analog stick. What that did was that absolutely ruined people's palms and their hands so people would blisters yeah just blisters (laughs) calluses just shredding the skin so that prompted nintendo to release like specialized gloves and different uh like hand like protection for people to play the game so that they wouldn't you know tear up their uh, palms like that crazy yeah it was it was a whole not a controversy necessarily but just a whole issue that was out there back in the day i like i would love to have seen that happen nowadays with social media because i can only imagine the number of gifts memes and just different reactions people would have had to that in the modern age i said people were just absolutely ruining their palms doing that so nintendo's like okay here here here's you know a, a special glove so that you don't physically injure yourself playing this game hashtag then, mario challenge and then not surprisingly that was the last game that ever had that like control input there were never there was never another mario uh party that ever had that you know rapidly rotate the animal killing our fans like, yeah, ba- yeah basically we need them to play it. oh man i should have said hashtag mario party challenge I, you know, I. It's probably what it would be nowadays. I, oh, people are dear, nuts right. on Instagram. I'm sorry, I didn't realize quite what you were alluding to there. Yeah, for all these ridiculous right. challenges. Yeah, people just bird box. Like, stop it! Just stop it! Stop hurting yourselves for crying out loud! I know it's ridiculous. Like, life's too short. Life is too short. You gotta, yeah. It is what it is. What else we got for 1999? What else is turning 20? Um, it is the Japanese release. I got to see the date real quick. Sorry, February 11th for Final Fantasy VIII. Which was on oh the original PlayStation, dude. I it's I didn't so I've never played a Final Fantasy game in my life, but I was a, a PlayStation guy growing up, and I'm just staring at the cover of the game, and I can't tell you how many times in stores I came across this yeah. and just looked at it. Yeah, like beautiful cover art. There's something about the the original PlayStation. Maybe it's just it was it was like this the first system that really threw me into loving gaming. But there's something about it. What I miss the most were the cardboard boxes that, like, the Nintendo cartridge games. Came oh yeah. In. I, yeah, I'll always miss those for some reason. There's just something. It's it's not quite the same to hold a plastic case like this. I, I really miss those big bulky cardboard boxes that the bulky games came in. Bulky is a good in. word for yeah. it. They bend and crease. And the PlayStation One, like, good luck if you had a case that didn't have a crack in it. Just that that hairline crack that looked like a big scratch over it. That was always a struggle for me. But yeah, Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, yeah, it's you know that was a very good game. It unfortunately kind of it, it suffers from being the immediate sequel to what like a beloved game because Final Fantasy VII is one of the most iconic games of all time, and I, I feel like it's definitely the most popular Final Fantasy of all time. It's kind of it's it's Final Fantasy's Ocarina of Time for you know in the way that Zelda is, so to say. Um, it's the game that got a lot of people into the franchise. It's probably the most recognized title in that series. And then Final Fantasy VIII came out just about a year or two afterwards. So it, it kind of in its shadow. It was you know still very well received at the time. Still looked back on fondly. Um, and in, in in that you know regard, then it's probably gained a greater reception as time has gone on, just because it's you know gotten a little bit away from Final Fantasy VII. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, sometimes the, the perception of games changes over time. Yeah. 
sometimes for the better, sometimes they're romanticized in a way, and then sometimes you go back and play one and you're like, ooh, this is not what I remember at all. So, you know, if they a game that can stand the test of time, that's like that's a true treasure. Right. Uh, what else we got? Uh, hold on, let me go back real quick then. I don't think anything on Valentine's Day back oh, then. Thank goodness. Uh, let's see. Army Men 3D, Beetle, Beetle, wait, hold on a second. I didn't even know this one. Yeah, Beetle Adventure Racing on N64. Like the car Beetle. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I'm, and I'm almost positive that was just one giant advertisement, basically. Yeah. The whole reason for the game was just to advertise the Beetle vehicle. It's like the Burger King games. Yeah. <laughs> for 360. I do Sneak remember a, a big T-Rex jumping out of the, the jungle in one level of game. Just a really weird memory from that game. Don't ask me why that just popped into my head, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Heroes of Might and Magic Three: The Restoration of uh, Arathia on PC. <laughs> That's a franchise I'd love to see resurrected. Those were really fun games back in the day. This was kind of like golden age of PC RPGs. Oh yeah, Heroes yeah, of no Might and Magic Myth back then. Diablo was going strong at the time. So nothing, nothing too crazy. Mario Party, the that's probably the biggest Final one. Final Fantasy VIII, the big would say outliers there. Granted, a Final Fantasy fan would probably throttle me for saying that right now, but sorry, I'm a Nintendo fanboy, so Mario Party gets my pick for that <laughs> one. That's hey, that's okay. Just because I also threaten so much violence against people who stole my star in that game or or stole my coins. Don't don't steal like a star that. or no. his coins in any Mario Party. What out? What about 10 years old? What's going to be turning Ooh, 10 this yeah. year? Let's take a look at there that. There is one particular, I wouldn't say game that, that is popular. You'll, we'll, we'll come across it here. But a part of a game that was really, really big oh, okay. when it released. Well, well, we'll mention that one first then. Um, DLC for Grand Theft Auto 4. Yep, yep. Uh, Lost in the Damned, right? Yeah. Okay. I remember the commercials for this. Like, and you don't see commercials for DLC. Like, no. I'm talking about a commercial on your regular... Regularly scheduled programming for TV, and uh, that was uh, it was big. GTA obviously one of the biggest franchises in the world in any sort of entertainment, but uh, those GTA Four extra, uh, whether it was DLC, anything online, huge, absolutely huge. Uh, so fond memories of that game. What else we Fear got two here? Fear was Two was kind of a little bit of a cult following. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Scared me just as much as the first one did. Three on three NHL arcade was. Big I don't even for remember Xbox that. 360. Oh, it was like a okay. It literally, was arcade. Yeah, gotcha. So it was a downloadable title. House of the Dead Overkill was such a ridiculous game on the original Wii. It was <laughs> it was a light gun game, so it was like an on rail shooter, like just like you saw the House of the Dead in the arcade games. Um, so you'd literally just point at the screen with the Wii remote and shoot zombies. But that game had this like grindhouse, um, old school pulpy vibe, and it was just so unbelievably crass and vulgar. Um, I, I honestly I can't believe it got the M rating. It probably could have justified an adults only at that time. Really? Yeah. It was it was just absurdly absurdly um just violent and to an extent erotic at times. <laughs> there was just there was just some really really messy. You don't say. St- yeah, there was some really really messy <laughs> stuff. There in particular, if you know anything about the game and especially the ending, the ending is just there's a joke in there that like even like South like basically like South Park would be proud of it. Let's put it that way. 
It was just so unbelievable. And if you know what I'm, I'm not going to mention what it is here in the <laughs> podcast. We're, we're a family friendly podcast here for the most part. So I'm not even going to go into details about it. But if you know, if you play that game and you know what I'm talking about, you probably remember just how disgusting it was. That's uh, it's kind of insane. <laughs> so moving on, though, <laughs> for, for the week, you know? for, for me, the big one um, from that month of that year was Street Fighter Four. Oh yeah, first Street yeah. Fighter in many many years brought it into um, you know the new generation, and um, just really really big game for that franchise because up to until then it was it had kind of gone quiet. Um, there really, like I said, there was a pretty big gap between that and Street Fighter Three. And then this kind of brought Street Fighter back into the mainstream a bit. But the real game on everyone's oh, mind, yes, 50 yes. Cent, Blood on the Sand. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> that game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that exists. I didn't. I don't think I realized it existed. Yes. Uh, that was at the GameStop that I was at. Uh, for It was always in the used bin. <laughs> I'm not surprised. But never, never like cheap enough to, to be like okay i'll spend a few bucks on it it was always just expensive enough i wouldn't play that for free <laughs> you couldn't pay me to do it uh it people played it i'll tell you that halo wars another big yeah. one kill zone 2 kill zone 2 yeah PS3. that was i like that kill zone 2 was one of the hallmark games for playstation 3 i feel like because oh, that was that was trying to go toe-to-toe at the time with halo and gears you know, you know back then especially shooters were the big genre and Everyone playstation yeah playstation in. 3 was trying to really hype up its own exclusive one and i you know kill zone 2 was one that they really placed on a pedestal and for the most part it lived up to the hype it was very it was much better than the original on, the, on playstation 2 kill zone franchise definitely beloved hoping to to see surprise i haven't seen i'm surprised we haven't seen that one come back we in just recent got, years uh what was the title the the first one uh for ps4 it, it was like a launch title. Why can I not think of the name of it? Killzone, Killzone, Killzone. Oh, jeez. Pavlock's looking it up right now. A I Killzone know game on PlayStation 4? Yeah. What was it? Shadowfall. Shadowfall. I would have never come up with that. That was the first game I owned for, for PS4. Yeah. Like okay, said, it's, it was a it's, good it's, game. Like I said, we're going now on... Five more than five years since that came out. Yeah, it was uh, November 2013, right at launch for the PS4. So funny story about that one, um, and I bring this up to this day. Lauren, my wife, uh, bought me the PS4 for Christmas. It was a surprise. I it was awesome. She found one at Target. You couldn't find them anyway. She got her hands on one. So she asked the guy at Target because she knew I was a huge Xbox guy. What is a surefire game for PS4 that is only out for PS4 that I can get my husband? Like, that he won't have. Mm-hmm. I guess we would have been fiancés at that time. <laughs> anyway, he says Battlefield 4, <laughs> which is out for every system. So I have it already for Xbox One. That guy was obviously holiday help. <laughs> yes. I'm playing uh, Battlefield 4 when Lauren comes over one time. And she goes, she looks at my shelf, pulls the case, and goes, are you playing Battlefield 4? And I go, yeah. And I was so con- so confused why she asked me right. why I was playing Battlefield 4. She goes, huh. And she puts it back. And I was like, that was weird. Come out to find out on Christmas. She's like, I went back and I yelled at that guy. Ah. <laughs> of course, classic Lauren. <laughs> All five foot two of her. She goes back into Target and returns it and says, I said PS4 only. And then gets Killzone Shadowfall because that was a shooter. So there we go. <laughs> Good safe bet on it. Uh, all worked out in the end. It I all guess. worked out in the end. She had bought me. 
<laughs> Battlefield 4 for PS4. Gotta love it. Uh, so those uh, those titles are turning 20 and 10 years old, respectively, this year. Tell us, uh, we, again, we, we want to be a community-based company. Tell us some of your favorites that came out during that time and some that we might have missed. So we honored the past there. We did our picks of the month. Uh, what do we want to go to next? We want to go to the, the news reports, or do we want to – we just recently released our, our top 10 games of the year. Ah, uh, yes. What do you want to go through first? Hey, you're running the show, man. All right, let's see. News report one, two, I'm three, just your four, right hand, five, man. six, seven, eight. Uh, nine items on the news report this week. So we'll, we'll go through these here relatively quickly. Uh, so in the news, first off, wanted to talk about briefly Count Dooku, now a playable character in Star Wars Battlefront 2. I love this move. Uh, a lot of fans who, who play Battlefront have been looking for uh, the Clone Wars to be more included and the prequels to be more included. Well, now you can play as General Grievous and you can play as Count Dooku. Uh, what is really cool is his alternate outfit that is really expensive in-game, uh, but you can save up your credits for it. What's the alternate outfit? Uh, the Dark Ritual outfit. Not seen in the movies. This is from the Clone Wars animated ah. series. So longtime Star Wars fans really got their due with this. Yeah, that's cool that they throw in little Easter eggs like that then. I gotta tell you, uh, you know, for as much crap as Battlefront gets, they really do a good job with the authenticity of these characters. Like Dooku moves and looks and feels like Count Dooku. He's very elegant. He's one of the best lightsaber fighters that you'll see in uh, the Star Wars franchise. He, Master Swordsman—that's what they always said he was, and that's what you got here. Uh, voice acting really good too. Those carried over from the, the Clone Wars as well. So the the voice actors for Anakin. And for Count Dooku are in the game for Battlefront. DLC is free, by the way. So go update your system if you have not for Xbox One and PS4, and you can play as Count Dooku during the Clone Wars. Gotta imagine Ahsoka's coming at some point. Yeah. She's too popular not to. Way too popular. Uh, wanted to get to <laughs> item two here. <laughs> um, so we talked about Marvel Spider-Man for PS4 earlier. I was worried this was the case, but the the fantastic DLC that was teased. Mm. Fantastic for it's just two Spider Man suits. <laughs> you were hope <laughs> you were hoping for a whole adventure story, something like that, weren't you? I knew it wasn't gonna happen, yeah. but deep down there was a part of me that was holding on to it. Get anyway, it time. Uh you got two Fantastic Four themed suits. Uh one was the bombastic bagman suit and the future foundation suit. Not much to say on these. Uh, they look nice. There's a lot of suits to choose from now in the game. Those are free for you if you own the game. So go uh, download those right from the PS4 store immediately, if not sooner, as my dad would say. February Games with Gold. Uh, item three on the list for your Xbox One. If you subscribe to Xbox Live Gold, some pretty good titles, I think, this month. Uh, for the month of February... You can download these games for free, even if you don't want to play them and download them. Just initiate the download, and those will stay on the system. Uh, and you can download them at any time as long as you keep Xbox Live Gold. Uh, Super Bomberman R, Assassin's Creed Rogue, though we're not sure if it's the remake or not. Uh, they remade it. Oh, that's it. right, yeah. So we're not sure if this is like the Xbox 360 version of it. There's not a big difference between the two. You can check out our review of Rogue. We did that last year. I actually like that game. I like its simplistic approach better than some of the recent titles we've gotten in the franchise. Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. 
And this one was kind of interesting to me. An original Xbox game. We're going all the way back to the OG here. Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. I had not played that game ever. Wah. Yeah, so... You, of all people? Me, of all people. You can download that starting February 16th. Uh, It's technically an upscale to the Xbox 360, but I'm excited to go back and play this. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, there's so many Star Wars titles I missed. It's brand new for you, It's brand new for me, so I'm going to be able to play that on my Xbox One, and I can't wait to get to it. I definitely recommend to anybody who's interested um, playing Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. I played that on Switch when it came out, and it's a very, very fun side scroller. Um, it, it's such a great, like, modernization of the ideas from Castlevania Three and those old school Castlevania games. Very, 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 very challenging too. So it's not particularly long, but it's gonna kick your butt most likely. Some of those bosses are very tricky, but very fun game. Definitely recommended if you like old school Castlevania. So pretty solid lineup for Xbox. Yeah, not uh, bad for at all. Uh, moving on to item number four. Uh, the PlayStation 4, uh, PS, actually the PS Plus games of the month. If you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber, same thing. Go download these games. Uh, for PS4, we've got For Honor, which was a, a well-received game. Uh, an expansion to that recently came out in the fall. You can go play that one. I'm not a huge fan of For Honor. Uh, Adam Herb, I know he played a, a fair deal of it. It's very slow. It's methodical combat. Um, it's not turn-based but because you're in full control of your character however it's not a hack and slash where you're in con- in full control the entire time uh basically there, it, there's it's a very reactionary action game mm. i would recommend at least trying it out if not just download it for a little bit give it a shot because it seems like that's a franchise that'll be around for a while um hitman the complete first season so that's a pretty good steal right there uh, i always love the hitman games and this was um this was on Xbox Games Pass recently, so I'm going to have to go download that myself. Shifting gears for the last time, uh, PS3 and Vita are getting free games here. Last time ever, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, allegedly. We'll see. Okay. We'll, well see. that's like the original Wii shop menu just closed down. Like I know. the original Wii. We're fully transitioning yeah. here. Finally, we're, we're kind of shutting off the past here. Uh, but you can download Dive Kick and a big one here, Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, that is uh, one of the biggest PlayStation uh, games of all time, yeah. I would say, in, in one of its most popular. Definitely, uh, you know, Seth Zielinski can attest to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, two PS Vita games. You can download Gunhouse and Rogue Aces. So I just got my PS Vita back. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the bum who was holding on to it all this time? <laughs> you? Who's this guy? Uh, yeah, Jeff uh, played. I, I haven't used my Vita in years. So. Right. So, uh, you know, thanks a lot, Nintendo Switch. But that's what's happened. <laughs> So a good lineup for both PlayStation and Xbox. Who do you give the edge to? Kind I'm, of I'm gonna go. Games. I'm gonna go with Xbox on that one. Me too. Particularly because I was a really, really big fan of Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon. Well, you know my reasoning. Right. <laughs> we do, we all we all know your reasoning. Well, you don't want to make assumptions, Jeff. But. If you're new to the podcast, he's the biggest Star Wars fan you've ever met. So the that's biggest. why. Yes, that's why we're meant we're making that joke there. Yes. Uh, but there's Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. Anything you wanted to add to that? Well, we got it pulled up? Okay. Nah, I, I, I made my peace with it. Just made your peace with it. <laughs> Not really. It's completely wrong phrase for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on here on the news list, uh, PS5 first parties. So all of Sony's 
based not all of them, but a lot <laughs> of them from what we understand, reports have surfaced that the first party developers are working on games for the PlayStation 5. There is a PS5 developer kit going around and early reports are uh they're receptive. They like what they've seen. Uh, another report uh, recently said that only 18% of developers that have made games for the current generation of PS4 and Xbox One games are working on next-gen stuff. So a lot of them are still working on the current systems. Right. Uh, this speaks to me. I like that we're taking our time with this generation while really trying to get it right, it sounds like, for the next Xbox, the next PlayStation. Well, I'm sure there's a financial incentive in there too because both systems are still selling. Well, not, I, I don't mean so much that. What I'm talking about is that, you know, as the technology gets more and more intricate, it becomes more and more expensive to develop these games. Games are getting bigger. They're getting, uh, I mean, not they're just the the possibilities there. Just like Hollywood blockbusters, the technology is always growing, and to use cutting edge technology, it costs more and more money. So I'm sure a lot of developers are, t- are are being cautious about jumping right into heavy develop, basically increased development now. Development costs more resources for the next generation of games because to make your money back, you're going to have to have a really, um, really well-selling game. And when the systems first launch, obviously the install base is going to be a little bit smaller. So you're not going to, you're not always going to get your return quite on that. Like you're not going to have a two, three million seller right off the bat with a new console just because the install base isn't there. No. So I'm sure developers are being a little cautious. Um, we see it time and time again where a really high budget, high profile game comes out and it maybe doesn't sell to the expectations. And then that's a huge loss for any even you know a major developer just the money they pour into it if they don't get their returns that can be a major major loss for them just like a hollywood studio if a if a movie is a box office bomb with uh the report we're referring to uh, from uh, an article from ign uh there's a quote in there uh, that says in general most of the focus for sony first party studios is on ps5 right now um they also added that PS5 developer kits are out there, and I've heard positive things about it. So with what we had going on with PS4, they crushed it with exclusives this generation between Spider-Man, God of War, Detroit Become Human. Uh, that begs the question, is is The Last of Us Part 2? Is Death oh, Stranding? Yeah, are those yeah. going to come to PS4, or are they going to come to PS5? Yeah. Uh, last, The original Last of Us came at the very tail end of the PS3. They re-released it for PS4, but that was like the the swan song for the PS3. I don't think it's insane to think that that could be one of two things. Either a PS5 and PS4 title, or one that really launches the PS5 and says, hey, you want to play Last of Us? Go pick up a PS5. That wouldn't be shocking to me. And Death Stranding doesn't feel close to me either. No, we, we Death Stranding still feels like it's a ways off. No, just because we we still know so little about that game, I do feel though like Sony has always been very good about sustaining an older console even as a new one comes out. Like oh, yeah. they don't they don't abandon their previous generation of consoles anywhere near as quickly as like say Nintendo or Microsoft. Microsoft does. is is gone. Yeah, three sixty has been kind of going for a while. But yeah, that they won't last. No, I I mean it, between PlayStation two, PlayStation three, Sony really kept those going yeah. even as you know the the new iteration came out 
Oh, PS2. Um, so I would, yeah. I would be a little bit surprised if they just dropped Last of Us Two right onto PlayStation Five exclusively. Yeah, I that's agree just me that. though. I could be wrong. I, uh, we'll I'm see. interested to see because right now, so we, you know, we had no PSX last year. We're not getting Sony at E3 this year, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah, that's this a is weird. the first time they're skipping that. Yeah. Um, Phil Spencer from Xbox recently said, like, we're going like double hard this oh, yeah, year no, they because ha- yeah, yeah, them and Nintendo have to. Microsoft and they have to capitalize on this opportunity. You'd be fools not to. Windows open for them to right. to do some damage, make some some crazy announcement, and the the code name Scarlet for the next Xbox is reportedly in development and. Reports have kind of speculated that that's going to be released in 2020. So E3, I don't know what to make of this year. We're just a few months out. But um, anyway, uh, the next item on the report for the PS5 is that uh, reportedly the PS5 will be backwards compatible. So you can play PS4 titles on that. Now, this seems to be less and less of a problem as time goes on because of digital downloads. You can download just about anything you want from the past. Um, Microsoft really did a good job of this with the Xbox One all the way back to the original Xbox titles. But uh, I wonder what that means. I wonder if you'll be able to put a PS4 disc in and play it kind of like you could back in the PS2, PS1 days. Um, The other question I have is, do you think, how big of a deal is this to, to gamers having backwards compatibility. I know it's always a hot topic, but when you get down to it, are you really missing if if Sony comes out tomorrow and says the PS5 is not going to support PS4 games? How upset will people really be? PS4 is so accessible. You can go get them relatively cheap now. Like is is this a big deal? I think it maybe would have been in the past, but like you said with the onset of digital downloads and just really all of our entertainment nowadays is going so digital. I, I think it's it's just easier for people to consume what they want, even if there's not necessarily a physical release. Like you can get like whether it's a movie, a song, heck, even with books and comics, there's a way to just download them nowadays. Um, so I feel like maybe in the past, like it, it, oh, actually, I, I remember specifically in the past, like if if something wasn't backward, a console wasn't backwards compatible, that was like that was such a sin. That was just right. absolutely a, a major offense. But now there's so many. There's you know there's another way to get the games you want from the past. So as long as Sony would in- include a very extensive library of past games and have it available shortly into the PlayStation 5's life cycle, maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe there wouldn't be such a negative reaction to that I as there would have been in the past. My my thought on it is, consumers are so quick to be like, oh, well, you don't have backwards compatibility, but the Xbox does, or you, like, we're so finicky with our loyalty in that sense. And when I worked at GameStop, the same gentleman I was talking about, who's got my twisted metal, actually kind of like changed my mind on backwards compatibility. You know, it's funny to say, but we're talking five or six years ago. So PS3 was at the height of its 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 run with the Xbox 360 as well, and I was gonna trade in my PS3 Slim. Because we had gotten a backwards compatible PS3 in the store. Only the original early models of the PS3 played PS2 games. Okay. That's right. The PS3 Slim came out. They did not play them. Right. But they didn't break down anymore. So that was a good trade-off. And they were much cheaper to produce. So they were cheaper to the consumer. So I was going to trade mine in. And he's like, why? You've got one that works and it's it's fine. It's not going to break on you. I go, well, I... I love the idea of playing a PS2 or a PS1 game. I want to put in the disc and just play it. And he goes, but would you play them? Like, how often do you think you'd play these old games? Yeah. And it kind of just slapped me in the face, and I was like, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. 
because all this time I'm like, oh, how could it not be backwards compatible? And then I was like, I really don't care about this. Yeah, maybe it is a superficial uh, benefit. So I don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be. But then again, it's like, hey, if I want to go play, um, I don't know, Star Wars Jedi Power Battles, which is an original PlayStation 1 game, am I really upset that I can't play that on my, my... Xbox One or my my PS4, excuse me. No, like I, if it's really that bad, I'm gonna go plug in my PS2. And if I really wanted to play it that bad, I would. The other thing is, how many times do we get remakes? We've True. got. I can play yeah. soon Crash Team Racing. I can play yeah. the original three Crash Bandicoots, the original three Spyro the Dragons. How many things can you play on the Nintendo eShop from plenty cla- <laughs> classic Nintendo games? And then there's extremely sentimental saps like me who refuses to trade in a console no matter I don't either what yeah I just I can't I can't bring myself to ever part with an older system even one time if I, I barely did. play it one time I did yeah. it was my original Xbox 360 mm-hmm. for the uh Star Wars Xbox 360 okay that, that, that kind of makes Wars. sense that kind of makes sense it's the only time but I and I had a hard time doing it right I can't do it so I mean I just put them away in storage and if I really really want to play something that's not backwards compatible or hasn't been re-released in some context I'll just I'll just bring it out of the closet and play it on the original system yeah and it's it's it, that's like telling you how bad you want to or don't want to play it right if you're willing to set up the system true the next thing the next facet to that that I want to say is with digital rights management I like having a physical copy of a game me too yep there's nothing Same. stopping someone from a few years down the line saying, oh, your your digital copy of Wolfenstein is no longer available. You paid 60 bucks for it back in the day, but we're not we're going to pull it from the store and support is gone. So it's it's gone. This has happened with iTunes movies recently. This has happened with uh, different digital movies across different uh, digital footprints. It's just it, there's something to be said for having the right balance there. And this I am always going to be able to play. Always, but if I've got it downloaded or if it's a backwards compatible title that I've, I've purchased from the PlayStation Network store, there's no guarantee I'm going to be able to play that in five or ten years. So there's something to be said for that. Moving on, uh, Nintendo, which we briefly touched on, we'll talk about uh, Dr. Mario World announced for mobile. Uh, that was announced uh, just last week uh, via Twitter. Nintendo of America tweeted out, the doctor is in. Mario puts on the white coat once again in the mobile game Dr. Mario World, targeting an early summer 2019 global release. Dr. Mario World will be free to download with optional in-app purchases, and in addition to the U.S. and Japan, will release in approximately 60 countries slash regions on iOS and Android. And it's going to make them a whole bunch of money. Like all the other mobile games they've released. Lots of money. Nintendo has really stayed true to their word on really developing mobile as a platform. We talked about it pre-show. Money. Money maker, obviously. Yeah. Thoughts other than that? Um, I, I think it's really cool to see Dr. Mario coming back. You know, that's one of their oldest... That's that's like it's kind of like the original Mario spinoff. Like that was... You know, that almost like got the ball rolling for Mario to appear in just every single genre humanly possible. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will download that, and uh, it's it's such a gateway for Nintendo because, like you said, it's free to download. You don't have to pay anything for it, but just like the ad revenue, the data revenue, um, so many people you know end up spending you know microtransactions to get stuff like they did with say Pokemon Go. It's such an easy way for Nintendo to make money, especially because I can't imagine development costs for these games are too expensive. No. 
it's you know you don't they don't require the resources that even like a tradition like a 3ds handheld game say would require and certainly not what a home console game would require and accessibility is big yep so this is in essence maybe their way to go after like we talked about the nintendo wii and maybe even the wii u was hey let's let's bring everybody into gaming uh, casual gamers. We want to bring people who traditionally don't think they want to play a video game and get them to play a video game. Nintendo Switch represented a s- Switch, if you will, back to focusing on the avid gamer. The hardcore gamer. The yeah. gamer who's dedicated to buying games machines. Who's been playing it for years or their entire life in some cases. Don't care if Netflix is on it. We're buying right. it to play <laughs> games. Whereas the mobile platform now allows them to go after that casual Maybe market. Hey, I'm going to download this game. I've never tried it before. And then maybe that's the gateway into to buying a Switch. Yep. Good job on them. Speaking of Nintendo Switch, second last news item that we want to get to. Uh, I'm afraid of this one. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, this is the good that's, one. We're okay. going to wait on that one. Oh, great. We're going to talk on, worst on for, sales. Worst for last. <laughs> uh, Nintendo Switch software sales. Okay, this is and, actually good. <laughs> and hardware sales. Impressive numbers for both. Uh, we've passed 32 million consoles. Yeah. And 163 million in terms of software sales. Oh boy! So all this since March 3rd, 2017. Uh, long story short, Nintendo's killing it. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've you've got a wonderful article that references, for frame of reference, what this looks like in contrast to other consoles and handhelds. Yeah, so I'm going to thank Ars Technica for this um, comp- for these comparisons. We're going to describe here, um, but Switch has sold over 32 million. Uh, hardware units in the first 22 to 23 months on sale. The only system that's outpacing it at that same time frame is the original Wii, uh, which had just a, just under 35 million. At that's that insane, time. right? I, I, to, I mean, to even be within a hair's breadth of the Wii in that same time frame is just nuts, and it's blowing away just about any other um, Nintendo home console. Uh, from that same time, because GameCube was very low at that time. We all know what happened with the Wii U. Yeah. So just this turnaround on the home console front from Nintendo is a, is a really, really big deal. It's 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 nice to see the numbers validate what we all kind of were thinking anyways. Yeah. And it's, a, it's also, a, you could describe it as a big turnaround in even just recent time, because the Switch was going through a little bit of a lull, um, through first half of 2018, there there was just there was a dearth of new titles, um, especially from Nintendo. Nintendo wasn't releasing a lot of big software, so Switch was still selling well, but it was seeing a drop off from that just absolutely molten 2017. And they had a projection of they wanted to sell 20 million um, hardware units in the fiscal year from March 2018 through March 2019. There was some doubt that it was going to hit that as the Switch was going through that lull. But thanks to the absolutely huge um, end of the year that they had between Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, and then, of course, Super Smash Brothers, it looks like they're going to hit that target of $20 million because uh, they would have had to have hit $35 million by end of March of this year. And with just how huge Super Smash Brothers is proven to be, I think another $3 million is very doable between now and the end of March. So the fact that they're going to hit that projection when it, you know, seemed for a while that they were going to fall short of it, that's a huge turnaround and a huge rebound. I have very few gaming friends that don't have a Switch. Yeah. And that's saying a lot because it's always, oh, I got a PS4, I got an Xbox One, usually not both. Like, 
90% of my, my gaming colleagues, my gaming friends have a Nintendo Switch. Right. It's Nintendo has found a way back into the mainstream. It has found a way to, to recreate the magic, <laughs> in a way, of the original Wii. And they've also found a way to make hardcore gaming mainstream. Right. It's it's a much better balance this time than the Wii was. It's unbelievable, in really. T- yeah, in terms of its its reach. And then maybe we get that rumored Switch 2.0 at some point and right. that just there's a new wave. And there's murmurs of it. They they don't they don't need to do it right they now. They really don't, especially with the, the software that's on the way and the software that's selling. I imagine that's why we haven't nah. heard about it. Cuz no, it does no reason. Um, did you want to touch on any yeah, software sales? Um, in addition to you know the hardware numbers that they released with their recent financial report, uh, there's some updates on some of the Switch's best-selling software. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is over 15 million copies right now. And that one, to me, we're going to talk about a couple in a minute here, but that one, to me, is especially impressive because it's already the fourth best-selling Mario Kart game in the series, despite the fact that it's a re-release of Mario Kart 8 on Wii U. Which sold port, almost yeah. 8.5 million. So uh, you wonder where it would have hit if this was just a brand new, never before released um, Mario Kart yeah. entry. It, the way it's selling, the legs it's showing, it's going to probably, it's, it's actually, I'm almost certain, it's going to pass Mario Kart 7, which is the third best selling entry in the series with a oh. little over 18 million. Yeah. It's never going to touch the best selling, which was Mario Kart Wii, which had 37 million. It just the attach rate from that game was nuts. That's just crazy attach rate for how well the Wii uh, console sold. I think it'll get close. N- I don't think so. You're think talking. So? You're you're going to need. You're going to need another 22 million. So you're, we're not far off from like the PS4, like getting close to PS2 era in terms of the greatest selling systems. I don't think you know we're early in the Switch's life cycle in a way. Yeah, uh, we're not even to we're, say two years from now this hasn't doubled. Maybe I or mean, maybe t- even, yeah, technically we're not even two years into the Switch's life cycle. I'm just saying I don't think it's insane to think that it comes within the realm. You're talking about Mario Kart Eight Deluxe still? Yes. I still think you're asking a little bit much there. Granted, I think it could hit the second best-selling Mario Kart entry, which was Mario Kart DS with 23 million. And even if it doesn't, just the fact that that conversation can even exist is really impressive. And if you combine Deluxe right. and the original Mario Kart 8, what, you're at $23 million, yes. give or take? Yeah. So Actually, more. Think of it that way, too. Like, That's like kind said, of insane. If, if this had just been a brand new Mario Kart, I wonder what kind of software, what, what kind of sales you would have seen. This is the only one on the list, correct me if I'm wrong, that was like a re-release. So where they've divvied them up into two. Yes. So essentially, you're you know, you've got to split the total there, which is saying a lot. And if you look at the Wii U version of it, that's a lot. That was a lot for the Wii for a Wii system U, that didn't sell no. very well at all. That's it, a good attach rate, right? It's actually a crazy attach rate yeah. because I think the original Wii U finished with like thirteen and a half million, something like that. So you're looking at what is that seventy five percent somewhere in that range? Yeah. Yeah, you're very close yeah. to 75% of that. Just, that one always bothers me because when Mario Kart 8 came out on the Wii U, the Wii U got a big boost. Like it was like the system itself was selling really well when that game first came out. It was outselling um Xbox One for a little while at the time. But then you once again that's it's the story of the Wii U. You had another just drought of software and the system just fell back into its, you know, the depths of despair again. Third party support fell off yeah. quickly. You had Mass Effect, you had Assassin's Creed, and then it was gone. With the Switch, it's not like they're attracting third-party publishers and developers constantly. You got to have constant 
software releases. They found that's, that that's, balance. That's the only way for a system to sell. It's reinvigorating it's to see. Anything else you wanted to touch on on that? Um, yeah, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate has already sold over 12 million copies, and it's oh been out gosh. for yeah, a little under two months. Yeah. I've yet to pick it up, so I will add one to that at some point. That that one's going to surely, p- p- maybe within another month, pass the highest-selling Super Smash Brothers to date, which was Brawl on the original Wii, little over $13 million. Um, but that then that just goes into one of the most impressive things about the Switch library. So Switch will soon have the best-selling Super Smash Brothers of all time. It already has the best-selling Mario 3D game of all time, Mario Odyssey, with almost $14 million, and the best-selling Zelda of all time, which is Breath of the Wild, which... Um, That's crazy. Yeah, over $11 million. So you're going to soon see the Switch library have the best-selling Super Smash Brothers, best-selling 3D Mario, and best-selling Zelda of all time. Don't be mad at me. Not even I'd... not even two years into the system's life cycle. Don't be mad at me. I never finished Breath of the Wild. That's okay, man. It's a big game. It's a very it very a big, big game. game. <laughs> it is. You see, you see my gaming plate. I can't make decisions. Yeah. Well, impressive numbers from the Nintendo Switch through and through. Yeah. And this is just the beginning. Hopefully. Yeah. So. Um, they're looking at a big 2019 in that same financial report. They can conf- or reconfirm some release windows. Uh, which is Fire Emblem Three Houses, Spring 2019, the Pokemon RPG, whatever that may be, late 2019. I expect that to be their big holiday title. And with Detective Pikachu oh, yes! coming out this That's summer. Right. Yep. We've got some good stuff for Pokemon happening. Yep. <laughs> uh, Animal Crossing and Luigi's Mansion 3 are both expected for 2019. Damon X Machina um, 2019. Uh, oh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 yes. also this year. So they obviously no concrete release dates yet, uh, release dates, uh, dates yet, but they are, they're, they're reconfirming that these games are more than likely all coming out this year, which, and if that pans out, that's a really, really big release a big year. slate for them. And hold your thought on that last title. Oh, yes. Uh, the well, the, there's a reason why well, I avoided mentioning that. Good, good. Well, uh, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, last news item of the week here before we get into the, the meat of the show here. Um, Star Wars, uh, this is old news by now, but it happened right after, right like right after we concluded recording the last episode of Geek Scott Game. Uh, the open world Star Wars game in development uh, from EA Vancouver has been shut down. Uh, it's kind of amazing. EA, what are you doing? What are you doing with Star Wars right now? You're wasting it. Since 2000. 13 when you took over the star wars license we have battlefront one we have battlefront two that's it that's unacceptable for all the games that have been canceled anyway uh i'll get back to that uh kotaku originally broke the story ea canceled it ea has canceled its open world star wars game uh this is the one that ea vancouver took over when visceral shut down in october 17 so visceral uh the creators of dead space Amy Hennig was tied to this as well, the lead writer on the first few Uncharted games. And that's really upsetting <laughs> that she's not going to be... Anyway. Uh, uh, not... I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you what's upsetting in a little bit. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on here. Um, yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I got to refill my coffee. Perfect. Right. Oh, of um, course. <laughs> so super disappointing. Though, I don't know what to make of it. I think Disney needs to get out of this relationship or Lucasfilm, however you want to look at it. They've got to get out of this relationship five years into a 10-year exclusivity, actually almost six years, a 10-year window where EA can exclusively license Star Wars games and the results have been less than desired. 
We don't know anything about uh, Star Wars Jedi, which is coming out supposedly later this year to coincide with Episode Nine. We don't even have a logo for that yet. They're a mess. How many They're... games have come out in this? Two. Oof. You can't include Disney Infinity 3. That was already in I, development. I wouldn't really count that. <laughs> and Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens also came out, but those were not a part of this licensing right. agreement. We've only got Battlefront 1, Battlefront 2. We've had numerous cancellations. Like I said, we don't have anything from from a studio like BioWare, for example. They've got a, a slew of studios that could be doing Star Wars games, and it's extremely frustrating that during this height of like a resurgence for Star Wars between... Uh, to varying degrees, whatever you think about the movies, they've been extremely popular since Force Awakens came out. Marvel is killing it with Star Wars comics. And the the books that we've been getting, the incredible novels we've been getting across, whether it's the Princess Leia novels we've gotten, the new Thrawn, uh, the Captain Phasma, it's so frustrating that they can't get the video games right. TV shows, too. TV shows. I How could I forget? Yeah. We're getting the Clone Wars back to yeah. finally finish the series that got you know, the... The it was, it's so frustrating to not get this. <laughs> He's riled up, people. I'm very riled up. No, no, it really stinks. Like you said, it's basically every medium is seeing tons of Star Wars content except video games. Right. And like, get it together. They, I think they've got a way out of this by saying that the quality has not been there. The releases have not been there. Really, I mean, Disney's leaving money on the table if they keep this this with EA. And I have been one to defend EA over the years as much as people have, have rightfully so, talk crap about them. And they are always one of the least popular companies to work for that, that always comes out. There's always something wrong. They're greedy, yada, yada. There's always something wrong. I like, the way, something I like wrong. the way you, you There's said There's always that. something wrong, whether it's, it's, it's right or wrong in terms of PR. They're not getting it right. So EA, for, just please figure this out. Or Disney's going to come and say, see you later. Because there are a lot of studios out there who would kill to have that license. Yeah. So that's the end of my rant for now. Uh, very disappointing that we're not going to see uh, kind of this Uncharted-inspired Star Wars action-adventure game that was rumored to be kind of the picking up the pieces of 1313, which would have uh, surrounded Boba Fett. It just sucks. It does, It yeah, just that's, sucks. That's the only way you can describe it. <laughs> On that note, uh, we've got to fill up our coffee mugs here. We're going to take a, a short break. Again, uh, thank you for listening and watching to Geek Scott Game, sponsored by Buffalo Soup Fest. Go to buffalosoupfest.com to pick up your tickets for this year's event, which is February 17th. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? We are back here at Geek Scott Game, the Geek vs. All video game podcast. Jeff and Josiah. Uh, so uh, running through here, we just recently announced our top 10 games of 2018. I'll uh, kind of give you the list here. You can look at the article more in-depth right at thegeekiverse.com. But a nice varied list here, some big heavy hitters and some smaller, relatively unknown titles. Uh, number 10, we had Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, I did not play this. I own it, uh, but it will be shortly. Uh, extremely popular, even even more so than Origins, I would say, at this point. Number nine, uh, a very big hit in the fall, Forza Horizon 4. 
free to play if you own Xbox Games Pass. No, that didn't take long. <laughs> kind of. Well, it was day one. Oh. Yes. All Microsoft. Well, how about that? <laughs> first party games are available to play day one if you have Games Pass. So the next Gears, Gears 5, you can play it day one. Crackdown 3 in just a few weeks, you can play that right away. I did not know that. Whenever Halo comes out, same thing. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, you I wouldn't. wouldn't. I wouldn't know that. Um, we actually scored Forza a 10 out of 10. Ooh, that uh, one doesn't happen too often. Does not happen too often, that's for sure. I've never done it, for example. I've done twice. I did Batman, the Return to Arkham remake, and then I did uh, God of War. Which may or may not be on this list. Uh, number eight, <laughs> a game you haven't heard of, Samsara. Uh, well, some people might have heard of it. Give, I, them, give them credit. I hope you have. Give them credit. <laughs> uh, this scored very high for us, uh, and it is a puzzler platformer. You can get it on any system now. It just came out on Switch, actually, a few weeks ago. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. Go read my review. Number seven, happy this made the list, Detroit Become Human. Interesting note, uh, Quantic Dream made this game. They made Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. They are now majority owned by a company other than uh, one that will only allow them to do exclusivity on PlayStation platforms. Oh, boy. Yes. So wow. the next installment in David Cage's realm of, of thought-provoking video games yeah. does not have to be tied to the PlayStation. Interesting. Very. May be able to play it on Xbox. We'll see. Number six, I would argue at least the second best party game of the year, Overcooked 2. <laughs> I can't tell you how much fun this is. Yeah. Go play it with a few friends. You can only get so far by yourself. It's uh, it's infinitely more fun. Very when you fun multiplayer game. Agreed. I can't even tell you. Uh, number five, you'll be happy about this. Monster Hunter World. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm happy about that. Yes. Uh, we talked about it numerous times. Some Monster Hunter has taken off yep. in North America. Number four, no surprise here, Super Smash, Smash Brothers. I'm even happier about that one. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, not much to say on that one. Number three, PlayStation exclusive Marvel Spider-Man, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Number two, Red Dead Redemption 2. In any other year, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption probably wins. I'd say nine out of ten years, that game would rank number one. Alas, it did not make it this year. Number one, God of War. Well-deserved. Unbelievable game. Well-deserved. Unbelievable game. I can't... There's, there's, there's so much to love about that game. Perhaps my favorite thing is the, um, the camera usage. There's yeah. one camera. That and was really cool. How it, it pivots is unbelievable. Like yeah. it doesn't even make sense that it could it could happen that a game in this day and age could be so good and only pan around with one camera. There's yeah. no break between that and cutscenes. It the action it, it it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Go play it. It it feel it makes it even more immersive because there you know without the camera cuts or anything like that you feel like it's just all happening organically very seamlessly. It was a really unique and I'm just, like I was surprised that 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 hasn't been tried before. Like I know they talked about attempting it in previous games. They um, killed it. They killed it. Yeah, but it just it's it's it, it's amazing that in this day and age there are still new visual techniques that have that can be explored that haven't been done yet. Total props game. to Corey Barlog on that uh, director on the game. Yeah. 
I, uh, I, we're not going to get DLC for it. It looks like doesn't matter. Don't, don't, yeah, no, don't need it. Go buy <laughs> it's already P- amazing as it is. Go buy a PS4 to play that game. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Uh, rapid Fire, we're also going to do 10 games for 2019. This was our list end of year Geek Awards that we announced uh, would be our top 10 most anticipated games. The Geekiverse staff voted on these. Number 10, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Booyah. How about that? Can't wait. 12 years since a Fire Emblem console-based game. Yeah. Number nine, uh, this is my March game, I think. Spoiler alert. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. That looks good. From the the makers of Dark Souls and Bloodborne. I'm hoping this is kind of the the happy medium for entry level that won't scare me away. Yeah, it doesn't kick your butt relentlessly. (laughs) Yes. Bloodborne I should play, though. I I don't know why I haven't done that. Number eight. You gotta love Terry Crews. Crackdown three. Uh, <laughs> we're just weeks away. You can download it on your Xbox One right now, and then play it February fifteenth if you own Xbox Games Pass. So we'll actually talk about Crackdown three in a little bit uh, when we're talking about game development. Ah uh, yes. Uh, seven. A game I never would have thought would make this list. Rage two. Got our hands on this last year, last summer. It is really fun. It is Doom. But punk rock. So think about uh, explosive, vibrant colors, your fast-paced gunplay in the wasteland that is now not so dull, but more vibrant, like mentioned. Number six, a game that's already out, Resident Evil 2 Remake. It's killing it. People are loving what it did to respect the original and what it's doing to differentiate itself as, uh, as a new title. Number five, it's amazing that this game is on the list. Actually, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I don't. I. Oh man. Do is, it, want, is it even going to happen? Do I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my prediction. I don't think it's this gonna is going to happen. Canceled. Yikes. <laughs> I know. I know. Don't rush it. It's from Respawn, though. That's a saving grace. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're the makers. I would of trust. Titanfall. I would trust them. I do. I do. I don't. Number four, Nintendo Switch exclusive Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order. That's a day one for me. That would be cool. I, uh, it's a cool revival. Who would have thought? So 2009 was the the previous game in that series. Right. Number three, Devil May Cry 5. That's also this right was around high the corner. List, I yep. think. That's right around the corner. Speaking of colorful, right? Number two, a game already out, Kingdom Hearts 3. It actually came out, folks. And number one, my game uh, of the month for February, Anthem. Also right around the corner. <laughs> so what do these games mostly have in common? Coming out early in the year. Oh, okay. <laughs> for the most part. Or they don't have a release date. Thought you were going to wait until I answered because I couldn't decide for a second. I knew you didn't know, you big goof. <laughs> uh, what is your most anticipated game of the year? Check out our previous episode where we talked about the full calendar release for every release that we know of for 2019. Last thing we want to go through on today's Geek Scott game, we want to go through uh, the recent news... That kind of spawned a, a, a conversation between Jeff and I briefly on game development cycles, game delays, games that have gone through development hell, if you will. Uh, Metroid Prime 4, the transparency, the announcement we got from Nintendo, I think is refreshing, but Jeff, I'm going to let Br- you kind of... Brutally honest. <laughs> I love it. I'll tell you. I'll let you kind of set the stage here. Right. Um, well, we hadn't heard anything on Metroid Prime 4 ever since it was first announced at um, E3 2017, where we didn't even re- really even see much. All we saw was the title and a logo for it. Um, but it was said to be in development for Nintendo Switch. Didn't hear anything about that 
for a year and a half and just a few days ago we got the confirmation from nintendo themselves general sorry general manager of nintendo epd shinya takahashi came out and said that metroid prime 4 is going to be delayed again because the original development has been canceled and they're basically starting from scratch um, so the original version of the game was being developed by Bandai Namco, their Singapore studio. So not even by Nintendo, they were outsourcing it. And for whatever reason, Nintendo was not satisfied with the build of the game. And they have completely trashed that original version. And they have sent the development over to Retro Studios to basically start anew and you know maybe take some of the concepts that were in that original development but we're basically getting a brand new game starting from the ground up now for metroid prime 4 so it's going to be a while it's going to be a while because they're, they're, they're starting from scratch essentially maybe they're taking like i said some of those original ideas but as far as like the technical aspects of it they're starting from the ground up some takeaways from my point of view on this i am so happy to hear uh, de- a publisher or developer, a PR firm, all of the above, come out and say, this is what's going on with the game. This is where we're going with it. Because now you are setting realistic expectations. You are not leaving fans in the dark, wondering if something's going to come out, wondering sure. what's happening, wondering if the title's going to get rushed. Uh, we now know where Metroid Prime is in its development. Yeah, we 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 don't. Like, we're not going to expect it anytime soon. Like, we know, hey, it's coming, but it's going to be a while. Another takeaway, very happy that Nintendo didn't say, hey, guess what? This next very lauded, uh, highly anticipated title in a, a star franchise for us is going to be less than superb. They didn't like it. Yeah. They scrapped it, probably lost a good deal of money on it. And granted, Nintendo will be fine. <laughs> but... It's still money. This is a business. And now they're going to get it into someone else's hands and say, this is what we're doing. And we're going to give it another shot because we, our fans deserve this. And they mean, you know, if you're trying to recoup a bad situation, they're handing it off to the best developer possible. Retro Studios was the team behind the original Metroid Prime trilogy, even though a lot of those, um, a lot of those developers and the workers there are definitely, it's not the same exact team at all that made the original prime trilogy, but at least there's some establishment there um, from the original series. Um, and it does make me wonder on it just, you know, focusing on retro for a second, it makes me wonder what retro has been up to in that case then, um, because if they're getting this new game and they you know, hadn't been working on Metroid prime for all this time, what were they making the last few years because their last game um was donkey kong country returns tropical freeze which is now a few years old that was a wii u title so one it makes me wonder what retro has been doing all this time and then two you know if they haven't just been sitting on their hands this whole time which i highly doubt is the case when are we going to finally see another game from them then you know are they maybe developing something in collaboration um with metroid prime 4 are they just focusing strictly on metroid prime 4 then is you know are they going to have to split the team up to develop the two games or multiple games if they're working on stuff? I really want to know what Retro has been up to all this time, and then how much of their resources are they dedicating to Prime Four going forward? Like, is this the one and only game they're developing for the time being? Then you wonder if they've cleaned I the slate. Really yeah. want to know. Um, I can see just, either it's, way. It's, it's it's a really interesting situation, and for, just on one hand, absolutely 
heartbreaking because every I always say it, everything I love gets delayed. It's <laughs> true. Zelda you, games get delayed. Attack on Titan gets delayed. Wonder Woman got delayed. Godzilla movies get delayed. If you want everything something, I love gets delayed. You want something to get delayed? Just yeah. make sure Jeff likes it. Did you, right. mention, did you mention Bond in there? No, I didn't. There, there, there's another one. There you go. Bond gets delayed. <laughs> everything I love gets delayed. Um, it's yeah. Of course, being a Nintendo fan, you have to be useless because all of their all of their big games get delayed. It seems like, especially if you're a Zelda fan. Um, but that and that's part of Nintendo just being absolute sticklers for the highest quality. They it better get their 100 percent approval if they're going to be putting it out there. Maybe this is a good turning point and in the start of something new for a trend in gaming where if something gets delayed if something doesn't go right they're you know i'm not saying they necessarily need to start over every time with a new studio but right this is kind this is kind of like that's not unprecedented but that's obviously a big deal it probably happens more than we've known in the past just you haven't heard it sure but now this transparency this is big this means a lot this communication to fans because the the paying customer is not wondering why they're spinning their wheels with Metroid Prime, we know exactly where they are. They hit the reset button. And as you know, as depressing as it is, I'm not entirely shocked this that this happened because I've kind of been preparing for this kind of announcement for a while. Um, after last year's E3 went by without any mention of the game whatsoever, I said, "Okay, maybe you know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they announced it really, really early. Like maybe they just you know went ahead of it just to throw the kind of like throw fans a bone." Um, and then I remember thinking that if we didn't see or hear anything from this at the Game Awards last year, then maybe there was reason to be concerned with the development. Game Awards goes by without any mention of it whatsoever, and lo and behold, then there was reason to be concerned with it. I mean, we went a year and a half without literally seeing a thing about it. At that point, it was, it was like, there was like a no-brainer to think that maybe the development had a hiccup or two along the way. We were... Prime to get an announcement, oh, you might say. Stop it! Stop it! Ah. Would you stop? <laughs> so I, um, I really, really expected to get something Metroid at the Game Awards. Right. I thought they were going to do maybe a, a, a an announcement of a like a, a collection. Oh the yeah, Switch. like the Prime trilogy. Mm-hmm. There's still there's still rumblings about that. I want that. I feel like it's coming. I it, want that bad. It's got to. I think that'd be a perfect release on the Switch. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Look at the sales yeah. figures we just saw for some of these games that have been re-released. You're yeah. like, yeah, absolutely, it'd be good, um, especially as those sales are increasing. Right. Um, the install base is huge. And I mean, so this, like I said, this conversation spurred on a little bit of a debate on, hey, what other games have gone through these delays and what were the outcomes? And IGN actually also did an article for a lot of the games that we were talking about, um, and some we'll add to the list. Because we remember them all, for better or for worse. For better or worse is, is exactly right. Uh, Aliens Colonial Marines is, is a really good example of yep. it. Um, Yikes. <laughs> so I didn't realize it was announced this early, but t- 2006 is when it was announced, and we finally got it, what, was it 2013? We were in high school. <laughs> Me and Josiah were in high school, and that we're game was announced. In high school, and we ended up graduating college by the time yes. it was released. Yes, yes. So uh, February 2013, and uh, it it was actually it it did well. This in in terms of critical acclaim, I remember this came out, and it was um, it was it was very popular. Colonial so, Marines. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Isolation. Colonial Marines was ravaged. Like that was a terrible game. Yeah, I'm definitely confusing it with that. Yeah, isolation. Hundred percent, I'm that confusing was really, it with that. Yeah, um, it's just amazing to see, and this goes to show, and I think this trend has started 
with with game announcements that for a few years it was let's announce something and get a logo out there even if we're just in the early phases yeah. of of development and then you don't see a game for five years. Right. <laughs> Whereas now a lot of the games that are on our most anticipated list were announced just last year. Right. And or I some mean, were even just announced in December. And we don't know the like the we don't even have an idea of release dates for like the back half of twenty eighteen. Like can you like how many games have a you know nailed down release date for, oh, very, the, for like the back I'm oh, sorry back half of 2019 I said 2018 didn't I in our I apologize we have very few when we went through our preview episode for right. 2019 there's there's not you can kind of figure out where some are going to land but nothing concrete yeah. there's a window but not a date per and se and even few I would say very few with a window for, so like even Q3 that yeah, yeah for sure so it, I, I like that trend. I hope that continues. Right. Because um, like you say, leaving fans in the dark for years on end, not good. that hurts. No, it's, that's that's not good. Uh, next game on the list. I don't even know. What well, I'm I mean, about. we could talk about anything. Duke Duke Forever was one that, God, I mean, people <laughs> people went entire generations th- through that game's development cycle, and then it turned out terrible. I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> so I knew this game was going to be terrible, Awful but I, I, I red boxed it, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Because I want, I had to say that I tried it. So of course I got a stupid PS3 trophy, and I can't erase this from like my my play history. But it's on there. You'll see that I played Duke Nukem Forever for like 20 minutes, and uh, <laughs> can't believe that yeah. this game. It, it's just it was a game out of time. Right. In, in, that's you know when a game goes through development hell for so long, there's so many examples of that being something to worry about between. Duke Nukem Forever, uh, Alien Colonial Marines, um, Two Human was another one that was developed for a very long time, had some hype behind it, but then when it released, it was just a terrible game. Um, When a game is in development for so long, that often speaks to some kind of trouble behind the scenes, whether it's inconsistency with the the actual development, um, just a jumbled vision for the game. If you have something being worked on for a very long time by a huge staff, it's sometimes tough to find cohesion then. When you have so many different ideas, so many different visions trying to create the game, you don't get that one you know, very distinct view on it. Yeah, it can be. It can get jumbled it, fast. You know, that's why there's one director for a movie, per se. You don't have multiple people directing a movie. Oh, so you for get sure. that one cohesive vision. That's why Dunder Mifflin went back to just one manager. <laughs> there, there you go. Perfect example. <laughs> can't, can't have co-managers. It's ridiculous. I mean, there are some examples then of where, you know, a game in long development turned out well. Um, uh, Fallout 3 is one. That's amazing. I, yeah. I was reading that, again, the article from IGN. I didn't realize some of the turmoil that went through. Yeah, uh, that was in development for a very long time. There was a huge gap between Fallout 2 and Fallout 3. Yeah, I didn't realize how uh, how far that went. So many Zelda games. I mean, Twilight Princess was in development for a very long time. We all know what happened with Breath of the Wild. Although, granted, Breath of the Wild is a little bit different because I think I think you could drop at least a year on that that was strictly because of the Switch. Like, I think that could have released in 2016 exclusively for the Wii U, if not for the Switch yeah. coming out and the Wii U being just dead in the water at that point. I could see that. Um, Resident Evil 4 was another one. Resident Evil 4 was a very interesting case because when that was first being developed, it was a completely different game from what we eventually got. Um, it was always envisioned with that over the like behind the back, over the shoulder view, um, that gameplay and that perspective. But it originally had a much more supernatural, much more horror element to it. It was kind of 
it played it appeared to play more so like the older games with like that survival horror element um more emphasis on like conservation of ammo on weapons exploration um but there was like i said a supernatural element to it where you like you were you were actually fighting like ghosts which was completely new to resident that would have been completely different for resident evil at that time which was more of like a biological body horror kind of franchise and then midway through development it changed to going more into that biological kind of like scientific themes and whatnot where there's like a plague there was a virus etc um, but it's it's really cool to go back and look at some of that old footage where you know Leon's literally fighting like a ghost. Like there's one particular gameplay sequence I remember where he's fighting a ghost who's using like a sickle on a chain, and you can see some of what eventually was used in the final product where there was like the um, the quick time actions, but instead of like buttons, you were you more so doing like analog inputs, like pushing the analog stick in one direction <clears throat> and things like that. Um, but that was, I mean, and when you look at then what the game was originally envisioned to be and what we got, it's almost like two different games. So I wonder, you know, going back to Metroid, I wonder what that version that Bandai Namco was developing, what that would have eventually been like in comparison to what we eventually get from Retro then. It's almost like the, you know, there's the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which is said to be a completely different movie from the final product. Well, it's, I'll tell you the the extended cut for BVS yeah. <laughs> is it makes it much better. Yeah. It's not great, but you 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 just wonder. Feels like the studio it, got too involved. It's like two different products at a certain point. It is. And that's what I'm sure. That's what happened with Resident Evil Four, and that's what you know. I wonder if that's what is going to finally be the case with Metroid, Metroid Prime Four because I feel like I can't imagine that like development was going so poorly at Bandai Namco that. Nintendo is simply saying, hey, you're not capable of making this game decent. We're just going to hand it off to another studio. I feel like there was some um, concept issues. Like Nintendo was taking um, issue with the very nature and the design of the game. Not so much like, you know, the mechanical or technical aspects of it. Oh, yeah. It doesn't always have to be that there were maybe problems. There was, like, there was probably like a, phil- a philosophical difference, I feel right. like. There's there's marketing decisions that go into all of this. And branding and, and that can stem right from the top. So if they don't like where the game's going conceptually, you know, and if that studio is unwilling the, to, to change course, sometimes it's, all right, well, next. It's like, hey, this is a great game, but it's not for us. Yeah, I, I, I feel like fair. that's maybe the case. Um, mm-hmm. It does make me wonder what Nintendo does going forward then licensing out their big properties to outside studios. Like maybe this makes them more cautious about handing off like a Metroid or a Fire Emblem if they were ever to do that to another studio. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Fire Emblem is securely with Intelligent Systems, for example, but you know, maybe Nintendo tries to keep everything in-house like exclusively from now on. It's very possible. Um, yeah. And obviously Nintendo has outsourced some of their properties, like Star Fox is another one, for example. Um, they do that because, and I have to imagine they do that because since they don't get as many third-party titles as Xbox or PlayStation does, they have a little bit more struggle having as, as big of a library. Sure. They're, they're trying to create as much software to compare with the other systems, and they just simply can't do that based on their own studios. So they hand it off to other uh, developers, and you know now with the way that Metroid Prime Four is turning out, I, I, it makes me wonder 
how cautious they are with that going forward. Maybe they're a lot more selective. If not, they just outright refuse to do it going forward. Time is money, and there's only so much time to go around. So you, in fact, multiply it if you are able to bring in other studios to do that. Yeah. So that's that's definitely something to consider. Uh, one one game in so far all the games we've talked about, with the exception of Duke Nukem, have kind of benefited from this longer development. Whether it was on purpose or, or not, whether there was turmoil, uh, Last Guardian comes to mind for me. There you go. Originally re- announced at E3 2009, it was planned to release on PS3. You didn't think it was coming out at one point. <laughs> it was the joke every year. Colin Moriarty of uh, formerly kind of funny on IGN. He would always. It was always his prediction. Every year, one of his five predictions, he would say, this is coming out, this is coming out, and it was a joke. Finally, it actually came out. So It was a good game, too. Uh, 2016, we got it on the PS4, and people loved it. Yeah. People loved it. It was a good game. It was worth the delay. Uh, I mean, geez, you're talking seven years there, which is kind of crazy, but hey, if the, the end product is good, then, it, you, you know. then you got Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 is a good game. That's, I mean, that's as timely as it gets. Look at how long that was in development for. 2006 was the previous game in that franchise, if memory serves me correct, or 2005 even. I'll confirm that real quick. Yeah. It actually well, made when a... I mean numbered entries, by the way. Right, right, right. Other Let's... Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, though, I want to say, wasn't it PS2? I think we skipped an entire generation. Yes, because there was nothing aside from like So it would have the... been 05. Yeah, um, 2005 in Japan. Okay. December 22nd, 2005 in Japan. Gotcha. So that was a game that was worth the wait. Uh, it's worked out. Some of the newer Disney Pixar properties have worked very well with it, and they've blended some of the older ones as well. Um, so it's fine. It's it's definitely fine. It was, it was worth the wait. I think you're right that game developers are going to be more careful with what they release just because it costs so much money nowadays to make a game, even if it's not triple a, you know, just with the resources that are necessary for it, with the way hardware has advanced and how cutting edge it is, even a game that isn't necessarily top of the heap technical wise, it's going to cost a lot of money to make. So they're going to be, they're going to try their hardest not to release a subpar product just so that, you know, word of mouth is good. Reception to it is good. And that it sells well. You release a bad product. It's forever. Yeah. You delay a game, you get a little bad PR that's, for a while. That's what Shigeru Miyamoto at Nintendo has always said. You know, a bad game is a bad game forever, but a delayed game can eventually be good. That's very that's true. One of his We're seeing that fa- with a lot of these. It's one of his most famous statements. It's uh, Well, he's spot on. The, the only other game I wanted to mention kind of here, um, you know, we're, I guess two. We're going way back, but Star Wars Battlefront 3 was originally in development for 360 and PS3. The first two Battlefront games had come out on the PS2 generation. That game went through everything, even had footage released, and then got canceled. Yeah. Kind of out of nowhere. The, <laughs> they put the kibosh on it. They didn't like the leak that was out there, and it's unfortunate because it looked really good. Uh, but Crackdown 3 comes out in just a few weeks here. That game had a release date set for 2016. Think about that. 2016. Here we are, early 2019, and it's finally coming out. Not really sure what went on back there. I My opinion is it was... Is probably scrapped and, and and rebooted in a way internally, but it looks like it's it's fun. I hope I hope it was worth the wait. Well, <laughs> remember, um, Final Fantasy Thirteen Versus was going to be its own game. It was a spinoff from Final Fantasy Thirteen at the time. That eventually became Final Fantasy Fifteen. It became a numbered entry in the series years later. It's crazy to think about. Basically, it, it became two. It was you know one game and it turned into another. It's 
yeah. the way things can change behind the scenes. It's, it's pretty crazy. And, and we'll, this is only what we know about, you know, right. That's stuff yeah. That, uh, never leaves the, those closed doors. I know. I'd love to be a fly on the wall <laughs> in some of these meetings. Seriously. Uh, is that it in terms of games you wanted to cover? For uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> so um, those, those were the big ones we covered. Game delays inevitable, but those are some. Still hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Uh, I think Metroid Prime Four is going to be all the better for it. It's just the uh, the feeling I'm getting, the vibe I'm getting from Nintendo at this point. Uh, but uh, you know, tell us about some of the games that you were really disappointed about in terms of cancellation, in terms of reboots, in terms of just general delays. We'd love to hear from you on that. Leave a comment below. Uh, but we're going to wrap things up here on this installment of Geek Scott Game. We'll give you a few plugs and what is going on in the world of the Geekiverse here. Uh, first off, I want to plug, we got to see the Lego Movie 2 early. Uh, so we saw that last week. My official review is up at thegeekiverse.com. Uh, not quite capturing the magic of the original, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, check it out. We, uh, we had a good time with that. My review is spoiler-free. We've got a few events coming up February 10th. If you are in the Western New York area, we are at Community Beer Works hosting a Facebook Live. Uh, so... We are going to be naming the beer for Nickel City Con, uh, which is in Western New York also. That's coming this May. However, uh, they're going to be tasting the beers and deciding on some really, really awesome names uh, for said beer, which uh, we don't know what those names are yet, but you can tune into our Facebook Live or you can come hang out with us at the event. That's February 10th at 5 o'clock at Community Beer Works downtown. Uh, also... Uh, Buffalo Soup Fest we mentioned earlier will be there running the Kids Corner that's February 17th at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center happy to be a part of that event uh, run by Matt Carlucci every year always a good event to, uh, to get out there's incredible incredible varieties of soups soups you never would have even dreamed of and they're all good we've got some incredible talent here locally uh, in terms of <laughs> cuisine uh, not to mention there's a really good selection of beer that you can come and uh, have a few with us so uh, that is, again, February 17th. You can get your tickets at buffalosoupfest.com. Mr. Jeff Pavlock, what is going on in the world of Geekiverse for you? you well, you've been a busy bee lately. Yeah, I've been, yeah. Uh, my, my plate has been pretty full, if you know what I'm saying. Um, if, you follow us what you, <laughs> if you follow us and you know what I do outside of my Geekiverse coverage, I am a high fantasy author. My debut series, The Legend of Light, is about to see its second book release. That'll be this month. Um, we got it uploaded to Amazon. We are doing the final bits of formatting. So if you keep an eye on the on the actual Geekiverse website, we'll have the first five chapters posted as a sneak preview of the book, along with some other articles and just behind-the-scenes details on what into, went into the work for that entry. And then we will jump right into the last bits of work for the third book, which I'm still hoping to release in May for Nickel City Con. It's ambitious. Yeah. I like it. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, absolutely. Seven years of hard work. <laughs> crazy the culmination is almost here i'm so. dead tired <laughs> he's dead folks well uh, yeah dead man walking mentally check, mentally maybe check out uh those those titles like we said the second one available shortly but the first one available now where can people buy that on amazon amazon you can just search for my name jeffrey pavlock or search for the legend of light you'll see that right away it is in kindle and print format beautiful beautiful thing uh so keep an eye out for that as we mentioned go to the geekiverse stock storeenvy.com that's store envy with one e you can purchase geek merch there we're proud sponsors of fantastic shirts that's f-a-n-t-e-e-s-t-i-c that is owned by the 
the crew that brought you 26 shirts. Uh, each week there is a new themed T-shirt that you can purchase uh, from 26 shirts or Fantastic. Proceeds go to helping a charity or a family in need. So we encourage you to take a look there. Use the, the code GEEK10, that's T-E-N, at checkout and get 10% off your order. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Josiah D. Leroy. He's at Jeffrey Pobbs. We'll be talking about uh, well, a lot of things geeky, but probably wallowing in the, the pity of the Buffalo Sabres. Grr. <sighs> get it together, guys. <laughs> nope. Just get it together. You guys, it's disappointing. I, I, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I can't either. Startling developments happen in there, so we'll see what happens over the next month with the trade deadline. Anyway, uh, lots of geeky stuff happening. Like I said, check out my Lego Movie 2 review. Uh, lots of games coming out later this month, so check out our coverage on that. Uh, but we'll see you at Community Beer Works, and we'll see you at Buffalo Soup Fest. For Mr. Pavlock, I'm Josiah Leroy. We thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you in a few weeks for the next episode.